Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Today is November 29th, 2022. This is another edition of the MSP Initiative Live. Today is a Tuesday, and we are coming off the Thanksgiving holiday here in America and uh, going into the last day and a half of November, which leaves us with one more month to close out 2022. Man, did that go by really fast. It really, really, really did. Um, so I'm excited to um I'm excited to, you know, ultimately make it to the end of the year. I know, you know, a lot of people, you know, 2022 was um, you know, kind of like a first normal year coming out of pandemic times. And um, yeah, I'm interested to see, you know, how we get into 2023. Of course, you know, the wrinkle there is, hey, you know the economy and all that other stuff that's going on worldwide, you know, recession times, I call it. We just left pandemic times, and now we're potentially going into <laughs> uh, recession times. So we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit, although we've been talking about that for <clears throat> quite some time. Um, just some quick housekeeping, as you do at the beginning of every call, uh, just getting it out of the way, uh, mspinitiative.com. This session and every other session is recorded. Uh, and we have them posted on the sessions page of mspinitiative.com. It's in video and podcast format. So, you know, uh, consume however you uh, wish. Last thing that we're currently in the middle on, if you go to channelstrongtour.com, it takes you to a landing page on MSP Initiative's website. We are currently in the middle of a bus tour going through Florida and Atlanta. So we did Fort Lauderdale yesterday. Today we're in Tampa. Tomorrow we'll be in Orlando. We'll finish out the week Friday in Atlanta. So if you're in any one of those regions, go to channelstrongtour.com, register, come out, and uh, network a little bit. Meet some of the people in your area. Learn from other people around you. I think that would be a good idea. <clears throat> and we'll talk about 2023 because <clears throat> we're planning a little bit of a different format in 23. So stay tuned. We'll be bringing you our epic parties. I know everybody loves those. There, we're working on them. Uh, we're also working on a little bit of a different format. Instead of the bus tour, we're going to be doing more of a pay it forward model. So you'll see. I'm, I'm in the middle of working on this with the team now, but we want to bring some, some experts to you to help you progress your businesses. Instead of going to a breakout session with a, you ought to think about doing, we want to actually make things tangible so that you walk out with something um actually in action rather than, hmm, maybe I should look into. I can't tell you how many times I walked out of a breakout session saying that, and I never did it. Anyway, today's special guest is Andre uh, from SureWeb. Um, we we very happy, Andre, to have SureWeb uh, participate in many of these uh, kind of community <laughs> block parties that we've done in the past. Really appreciate you and the team jumping in there in Orlando a few weeks ago uh, around the IT Nation. So thank you very much for that. How's everything going today? It's good. It's good. We're actually um, working out of uh, Washington, uh, D.C. Uh, we have a, a vendor conference. Uh, we're meeting some of our larger our larger partners. So I just had a few sessions this morning. It's really interesting stuff. Um, you know, so I'm happy. Uh, probably the last time I go out on the road for, for this year. So it's a little a little exciting. Um, stay home a bit. <laughs> not, not, not be living out of my suitcase all the time. You'd be but surprised. yeah, it's, uh, it's been, you'd be surprised. I, 2023, <laughs> I think, is going to be busy. Maybe. 
be. I'm sure. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. And you know what? It's going to be really cool. I was already looking at the list of schedule of events and 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 what's coming and how many of them per month and stuff. So it's great to be back on the road and it's great to finally talk to you, George. And and I know that the gang was out at IT Nation. I couldn't make it out. Um, I had to deal with some stuff, but uh, but next time I'll definitely be there. Well, you missed a hurricane, so don't worry about it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so some apparently it was a little bit epic, but you know some folks missed their flight out to Washington D.C. Uh, on Sunday because of the wind. So go figure. So it doesn't yeah. always necessarily need to be hurricane level gusts. Well, well, not yeah, let's, let's hope those people aren't on Frontier because apparently uh, apparently Frontier has decided to take away the option to call into a customer service number. Moving <laughs> forward, you'll only be able to access them by chat. What do you think about that? That's interesting. Um, you know, but that 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 is definitely we're seeing a trend. So I'm not surprised by it. Um, I am, you know, the omnichannel contact center, right, um, is driving a lot of that. Uh, uh, I would say a lot of that. We're, we we have a lot of partners who actually, you know, request, you know, to have that chat functionality. Um, we do it on we do it on the GMS site. Um, I was just getting looking at some reports and stuff. It it, it it's about seventy five touches per day, so it's not non significant. Uh, my thing with that, George, is. You know, how much can you get out of a message or a chat? Um, and, and, and when you're really in trouble and you need somebody to talk and you, you say like, listen, I've tried everything you've thrown my way. It's not working. Who can call me, right? It's the automated nature of the chat response and the chat bots that where I think, you know, in IT and in critical systems, even in, as an example for, for flying, where you really need to talk to somebody or you'd like to be able to express an emotion um, on how you're feeling about something. Uh, I think this is in critical service. I think it's a little bit different. I, I, I'm going to tell you, I've run into MSPs who have tried the chat only approach, literally no phone number published. It's mm -hmm. like the Facebook, Google ish model. And it sounds great. And it sounds modern. I don't know how practical it is for the simple stuff. I think it's okay. And maybe mm -hmm. you can cut down on some of what could be small, very, you know, you know, small, you know, phone calls, if you would, when I say small calls, meaning like short calls, password resets, stuff like that. Right. But to your point, right? Like if I'm broken down on the side of the road and I need a tow truck, I'm not <laughs> texting anyone. Like maybe I'll get the alerts when I find out when yeah. they're coming, but I'm not going to initiate that via text message. And I find it interesting, right? Like I know in certain geographies in the country, you can text 911. Um, <laughs> if, if I'm needing emergency services, again, I'm, I'm not sure text message is my primary way. So, uh, you know, it's interesting to me as like time goes on and technology continues to grow, you know, service delivery seems to be like still a big topic, right? You know, we hear about Hey, what are the top challenges that people need to understand how to get better at, grow, you know, mm -hmm. mature at, kind of build to the next level? Um, I would caution people to not go chat only. There probably needs to be a phone number somewhere. I agree, and and you know, I was I was I was looking at, and, and you touched on two two interesting topics, right? If you're gonna serve, if you're gonna serve password reset off chat, then why not just tie it to a function or a or a portal where you can actually go in reset OTP login or paraphrase and just get the password done, uh, which is definitely something I'm looking at uh, from our perspective. And we want to drive that in, in into, into the channel as well, because, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, you can either put it facing 
you know, the partner or the customer, or you can just have it as a tool internally, at least to alleviate that pressure or those touch times. Um, so, so password is definitely one of them. The other place where I'm seeing a lot of action on the chat, uh, like with chat is, is really with regards to AI around chatbot, but um, very much tied to the larger, larger customers. So as an example, uh, a Microsoft who have an extensive library of troubleshooting guides, an Apple, um, you know, all of these large vendors. So the chatbot can actually allow you or the chat function can allow you at a lesser cost to the, to the partner, to the, to the customer, um, allow him to decide, hey, you know what? Um, I don't want to pay X amount of dollars a ticket. I would rather pay a bit less. And for this particular area, which is like not, which is more commonly, you know, the more common apps, like drive them towards giving them an answer that they can consume off a web URL or something first, and then, and then allow them to come in after. So that, that's sort of like, you know, one you, of the things I'm in that case, I think part of the problem and like, and we'll zoom back out to my normal questions, but since we're on this track, <laughs> um, I love, I love where these go. Cause every call is different. Um, we talk about documentation forever and ever and ever has been a challenge, right? The standard mm -hmm. lack of standardization, both internally and externally. And to your point, I feel like the only way you can be successful at what you're talking about, a little bit of the automation up front before you trigger, hey, I need to talk to a human being, is that you have to have that content built out ahead of time. Yep. And I wonder how many service providers don't have a, even a technical writer on staff, right? Like that's not even a dedicated position because of the size of some of these companies. Mm -hmm. And so like you almost are behind to be able to even get to the point where you can be successful in that. And then number two, like whenever I call into the airline, right? And everybody I know loves their airline status. That's why it's such a big touch point with this, hey, that you can't call um, on the bargain, bargain uh, airline. Um, when I call in, they're like, Hey, the wait time's two hours. Do you want to stay in line? And you want to give me your number? Okay. I'll give you my number. Just call me when it's my turn. You yeah. can do the same thing from chat, right? You can put yeah. your name in the list and wait for your call. But like, that's not even an option, right? They're not even letting you get to a human being operator. You know, you're kind of just, you know, yeah. and, and, and one of the things with chat and then, you know, I know we, we, we have a, you probably have a ton of stuff you want to talk about. This one's particular because it's a real, it, I'm, I'm, I'm in it right now, right? As we're looking at a, as you know, a contact center solution, not just a call center solution, right? And then the whole omni-channel stuff. And, and you know, one of the things with chat though, and, and you know, one of the things I'm seeing is as soon as you start talking chat, especially if you're a Microsoft driven business, right, you're automatically heading towards teams. And a lot of, a lot of companies don't allow you to federate into teams anymore. So, so it becomes, then it, then you're back down to that whole question of, Hey, you know, I'm an MSP. I use it glue. If you want to take my support, you need to use it glue as well. Right. Or, Hey, I'm using product X, Y, Z. If you want to support me, you need to use X, Y, Z. So as a provider of providers, um, it becomes practically impossible to manage all of these various different documentation interfaces. Right. And, and that's where things, and you can't just settle on one because you know, everything shifts so fast, right? So, so you have like, oh, IT glue is prohibitively expensive now, you know, is a comment I get. And then we're looking at this new tool. Well, if we move here, you need to use that. And you're like, guys, I can't have, I, I can't have 50 tools because 50 tools means 50 areas of potential error for my agent, right? Or the yeah. person servicing your call. So it's a very challenging time when it comes to the federation of ID, of, of identification, the federation of like these chat functionalities like do you use slack do you use teams
tools do you use? You know, even Zoom now has chat functionality. Like it's 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 brand, it's, lit, it's brand spanking new. Let's not let's not think. I haven't played with it. I haven't I haven't looked at it yet. They but, just you know, I'm, they I'm just saying, released it like a couple of weeks ago, right? Um, so Eric, Eric, what's up, buddy? He chimed in. He said, uh, has to be both, uh, you know, yeah. allowing customers to engage the way that they want. Hey, I'm right. They can't just have chat. Take that frontier airlines. And then as for 911, <laughs> think of events with the burglars in the house or domestic violence. Totally got you, Eric, on the, on that. I'm not saying it can't be an option, but like if I, I got somebody in the middle of the street and I need 911, cause like, you know, you know, accident or something probably don't want to go to the 80 replies back and forth just to get to the point where somebody's been getting dispatched. So I don't know. That's just me. Um, maybe I'm old yeah. school. I, I actually like to talk to people. Cause like, I feel like sometimes the five minute phone call could be the 35 minute messaging back and forth. And like, just, I, I got bald over some of these situations, but anyway, George, you are old school. <laughs> Period. That's all there is to it. But then again, oh, who wants to get into a fender bender and nine and, and, and text message nine one just got into founder bender, fender bender, frowny face, frowny face. That's not how we emote as humans. Please come on. I mean, could you could you OMG being robbed? And then you sit there like with an emoji to express how upset you are. Come on. That's not how things work. Man with gun I, I mean, scared. I, I don't know, man. I, I would love to. I'm sure somebody somewhere is tracking the fe- the efficacy of SMS messages into emergency services versus not. Yeah, but then like, let's look I, at it this way, George. 80%, let's just do the 80-20 rule. 80% okay. that are going to take their cell phone out when something's going wrong, they're getting footage of the incident. They're not trying to call for help. <laughs> sure. Yeah, we're not there to help. We're this there is to World Star. Views. Come on. Uh, <laughs> world Star. Like, pop. hey, that guy's about to get shot. <laughs> oh, snap. Oh, get the cameras that? out. Yeah, it's an interesting, but you know what? To, to, to struggle back on the chat thing, one of the things you lose is also missed opportunity, right? With regards to the sometimes talking to people, you'll understand that it's a larger problem, especially like let's bring it back to IT or, or, or you know, managed services, managed MSP providers, right? Um, if you're not talking, then you may not understand. And if your goal is just resetting the same password all the time, you need to have some sort of mechanism that tells you, hey, this guy, this person, this this individual is resetting a password every other every other day, right? So that's the value you bring. And you may not see that if you're auto if it's if you're fronting that through an automated password, you know, refresh thing, or you may not actually, actually be understanding. Know. I mean, like if you had like. I've personally experienced someone who literally at the beginning of every, every shift called in to reset their password. And I was like, you shouldn't be in a job where you need to touch a computer. I, I don't know what else to say. Like, <laughs> or, or I have a perfect example of an employee of mine and, and we were monitoring and, and, you know, our internal IT called out and said, Hey, like, this is person. Okay. Like he's called three times in the past two days. We said his passwords. Then I say, you know what? I'm going to call him and I'm going to figure it out. And I'm like, Hey man, how's it going? It's like, yeah, having issues with your password. He goes, yeah, you guys sent me a French keyboard. <laughs> and I'm like, so, oh. so, you know, you're, you're, cause you know, so essentially the ease and all this other stuff, it, it, you know, for him, you know, working out of, out of Alberta, right. As an example, or, or anywhere, not French, he doesn't understand this keyboard, right. It's, it's, it's as foreign to him as a, as a, uh, as a Azerty keyboard. Right. So he's like, yeah. So, all right, we'll get you a, we'll get you a new laptop with a hey, new look, keyboard. If, if it's not DNS, it's probably a French keyboard. We all know, <laughs> but it's, oh, yeah, but it's yeah, probably yeah. DNS. I, I mean, I, 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 I don't think about these things sometimes because like, you know, I deal with the English speaking world most of the time, but like the new user request rarely has a language selection in the dropdown, at least mm-hmm. where I am. 
where I come from. But I guess, yeah, the French Canadian thing. Yeah, that's probably part of the request, right? Be like, hey, do you do you need your windows set in English or in French? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, so, I guess so, sometimes you get, get an interesting get thing, the, though, right? The UK English keyboard and the US English keyboard are different. ISO <laughs> versus ANSI, different standards. Yeah, yeah. so that could, that could mess some people up. But Andre, I didn't even ask. So, so you're from Sherweb. We'll talk about yep. Sherweb in a little bit, but let's hear about you. How did you get into the technology industry? What got you to like today, yeah, the journey to get you to your position today? I always just like to ask those questions because sometimes I get some really cool stories out of that. Yeah, it's actually a pretty interesting story considering I don't have a background. I, I don't have a degree in tech at all, right? So I'm pretty much self-taught. Um, you know, started out at Bell Canada. I'm just, you know, uh, out of school and, and just got puck luck and, and, you know, demonstrated willingness to help people, managed to get out of the call center and get into IT. And then from there, just hard work, right? And, and just, you know, going that extra mile, which is why, you know, I get the customer aspect of service. And, and, and you know, um, if we had chat box back then, I probably wouldn't be having this discussion with you, right? Um, so, so, yeah, and then, you know, it evolved at Bell, went, managed, to, managed to impress a few, a few people, uh, got pulled into a, one of the first uh, managed voice over IP projects uh, in Canada early, and we're talking here early 2000, which was a Nortel MCS 5200, right? Which was really, really cool. Still the best probably the best platform I've ever seen um, <laughs> 22 years ago. And I, I'm seeing functionality now that existed back then being sold as the brand new thing. Right. So it was actually very interesting. So from there, um, you know, did the bell thing, rolled out this stuff and then went into service delivery management at, at, at a bank and, and really learned trading and, you know, optimizing systems for trading desks, uh, deployed some of the first RAM sands, right, way back when. Uh, and then, and then you know, went over to Nuance in IVR land, um, built a few data centers over there, um, started architecting some data centers, architecting big voice, uh, billions of minutes of IVR for all the largest banks in the U.S. being powered out of Nuance. It's a funny story. Those systems we built were finally decommissioned three weeks ago. So, you know, they, they, they were built tough. <laughs> that's, that's all I could say. Uh, and then it's amazing how the banking industry still relies on like every AS 400 you've ever run into. They still like no banking system. Even if you start a new bank today, they, they buy an AS 400. I don't know underpinned by x25 right which is like still to this day like the most secure networking <laughs> protocol ever um so so yeah and then and then you know uh again puck luck you'll hear me mention this a lot of times you just get lucky uh startup reached out to me um you know um german startup running out of montreal doing e-commerce hybris uh called me brought me uh, you know made me an offer i couldn't refuse went there started building data centers again um three years of commerce over there we got bought by sap and then uh once we got pulled into sap became sap commerce right and uh, went on to build data centers in in russia and china uh, and and had at some point 16 data centers uh you know all over the planet delivering commerce um went into digital signing again you know had an had an opportunity to go into r d proper and, and start building DevOps practice, right? Not, not what we call people who, 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 who follow the practice, but, but really building a practice and, uh, and then building the role to sustain that practice. Had a lot of fun over there and, and now Sherwood. Yeah, so I decided, you know, um, you know uh, great leadership team over here. 
um, reached out to me, had a really good discussions, said, you know what? I've never worked channel before, always been enterprise. Let's go take a look at this thing and let's see how we can help. So here I am, you know, taking enterprise thought process and enterprise tooling methodologies and monitoring and all that stuff and, and building services around it in order to drive it into channel. I'm having a blast. I've been at Sherwood for about a year and three months now, a year and four months. And it's really an interesting world. Um, you know, I'm having a great time was presenting this morning, you know, and saying, Hey guys, you know, 99.9% .9 of the businesses in the world are small, medium businesses. Right. So growth rate of, uh, of SMBs in the U S is 33%. So if there's one place when the economy's, you know, where things are going well, uh, SMB is outperforming enterprise from a perspective of growth. Well, well let's hope that, that stays the case going into what we're hearing is maybe a little bit of financial downturn here uh, maybe i mean i'm hearing it and every every time i talk to somebody so what's happening how, how are you seeing things and they're like well you know we're hearing this this and this maybe we're all watching the same news but um it'd be curious to see how 2023 pans out versus what we're seeing now but um let's zoom out for a second so that was a great story i love your journey everybody's journey is different i love that you cut your teeth you know kind of on the front lines because i think that's where a lot of people in it land you know kind of start right uh, which is great. So because you're now coming back around, right, you've been with an enterprise this whole time, like what are the biggest challenges to solve then in on the on now this side, right? Like you're not just servicing the actual end customer, yeah. bakery, doctor's office, lawyer, you're servicing a service provider who has to service those people. Yeah. But what are the challenges that you're seeing? So, so, so delivering, de delivering value at scale, right? I think, I think this is, this is the play, right? So I, I'll, I'll, you know, I, I'll take from this example. I, I have my, obviously I have my cloud business, right? I have, we run our own private cloud. I run services through, through GMS and, and then I have my products that are built on, on infrastructure, right? And ultimately, if I were to have each of my lines of business have their own tools, I wouldn't make, we, like, I mean, it would be, it, first of all, it would be incredibly confusing for everybody. Um, secondly, we'd have, we, we'd have no mean, we'd have no economy of scale whatsoever. Uh, we'd have expertise on 15 different things, but not be really good at one thing, right? So, so when we take that concept of how, how we want to deliver service to our MSPs and then have them bring it to their customers, um, I think one of, the, one of the challenges that I've taken on, and, and I've been doing a lot of this integrated monitoring stuff for quite some time, I actually delivered you know, at one span, we were delivering service on a SaaS platform with essentially seven, eight, nine people, right? So, and then everything was seamlessly alerting from, from our observability into pager duty into on-call on shift, right? Opening tickets, updating, automatically updating customers, automatically updating uptime portal, right? So, so the idea of delivering that seamlessly, this experience, it has its place in, in what we do. Right. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, our ability to have a unique experience for our people and how we communicate through our help desk to our partners and our customers and how we communicate on something a little bit different like GMS, where we're supporting any cloud. Right. Um, and, and that 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 ability to be able to route is 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 unique. And I think that's the value you bring when you're coming from enterprise, just like or not even enterprise, just coming from a mindset of I'm not going to have 50 things that do the same thing. Right. Um, and really saying in order to be able to bring this, each LOB sucks up a part of the cost of those tools. And as such, it allows me to be I, I can take a. you guys know this. Right. I can take a, I can take a bigger hit on infra 
from a margins perspective than I can on a service, right? So, so, so that's that's what defines our ability to be unique and cost efficient. You know, which is why when you're talking about potential recession and stuff, what we're seeing and what I'm hearing from my peers in enterprise land and and all the vendors I've worked with when I was you know building data centers, um, they're actually calling me now saying I have servers for you. Do you want them? And oh. I, I flipped that back to a year ago where I was calling them, telling them, hey, guys, I need servers. And they're like, yeah, it's six months. <laughs> you know, I got told by Arista that it's a year to get core networking, right, to build out a new data center, right? So I, I bought it a year ago. I'm getting it in April, right? So now I'm seeing the opposite where, you know, some of the larger providers saying, hey, Andre, we got a ton of R7. You know, we got a ton of one, one U pies and, and can, do you want them? And I'm, so that's, I think, if anything, when, when, if anything that may happen, or if I were to rub my crystal ball, you're probably going to see a move towards OPEX versus CAP, because people don't want to go up front and spend a million bucks on servers if they don't know that they're going to fill them up within the six months following to pay for them, right? So that's the hardware business is driven that way. So what you're probably going to see is a much more concerted effort towards you know, going to OPEX, um, moving to our pay-as-you-grow pay model, um, things like, a, like, you know, Azure RIs. You're going to see a lot of MSPs and their customers struggling to understand that concept because you're not going to spin on a 30% discount only for the right reasons, right? So so that's where I think the MSPs will be challenged um, is really providing that value and that, 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 that core knowledge that we have uh, in order for them to make the right decisions and not lock themselves in to these RIs for two or three years, right? Based on workloads that are ever shifting. So that's that's one thing I see, like the way to un- the way to unify, you know, the monitoring and the experience up top. Um, the bigger, one of the bigger challenges that I'm seeing, which I hadn't been exposed to in the past is, is what I was just, we were just alluding to a few minutes ago, which is the whole concept of federation with regards to documentation, who does what, um, you know, how do you do it? Where do you engage? Where do you disengage? Do you notify? Do you not notify? Um, you know, I, I see a lot of um, I see a lot of different contracts, right? Uh, so, so I think if you want to be really successful, you need to standardize those. Um, stop trying to do everything and focus on doing things very well, and then build on top of those as you move forward. I think a lot of MSPs, and I think you know. As, as I mentioned, we have GMS was an acquisition about a year and a half ago. And, and you know, a lot of MSPs, they, they, they try to do way too much and, and they get themselves into trouble, uh, especially in a co-mits world. Uh, well, so when you're in co-manage, when you're in co-manage, like when you're when you, when you have an MSP depending on you for service and you need to go through him to do things on the customer side, like that co-managed is really challenging if, if the tools aren't integrated and if you're, you don't have the ability to share documentation in real time. I think, you know, I'm going back to the early 2000s now, right? Before managed services was even a marketing term, right? Um, yeah, you, you know, I understand in the beginning when you're just doing everything for everybody because you're trying to like, you know, rub two sticks together to make some money. But to your point, right, like we've seen the, you know, like the journey throughout, right, like how the break fix and then the, the multi-metal bronze, gold, silver approach, which I, I'm not a fan of, but, you know, we know how they get applied. And to your point, right, everybody's trying to like slightly repackage things in order to attach to a, another kind of business vertical but you know jack of all trades master of none you kind of you know i would have used that that line a little bit earlier here but 
back to the MSP who's trying to monetize and trying to generate mm -hmm. revenue, like I don't think the concept of profitability is is thought about in the early going, right? When they're building out all of these mm -hmm. one-off things that they do. And then the other part is, and I liked your point, right? If you're using a million tools, right? Like every MSP has so many tools, right? Because, you know, otherwise they really can't do everything by themselves, which is fine. And, and we love those. And, and you see them at every trade event and, and cool new things popping out. Awesome. But if you had, let's say you had five different areas that you do business in and every area has another subset of tools, yeah. how do you like, you almost make it impossible to augment or outsource some of your services. Yeah. And, and, or you get into trouble where you have specific people that have been hired for specific things. And then all of a sudden that, you know, let's be honest, there've been a lot of churn in people in the past year and a half, right. It's slowing yeah. down now with the bigger guys saying, what the hell were we thinking hiring all these people, right? Because that's really what's going on, right? Let's be honest. They went out and they started hiring, they hire, hiring frenzy, the Googles of the world, the Facebooks, all these, and they drove the cost of resources so high. And then, and then they turn around and they're like, yeah, we don't really need all these people. And now it's coming back down. Right. But, but if you're, if you're building a dependent service that you know, a service that depends on two or three people. And then you have somebody coming in and you, and that new customer coming in saying, or a partner saying, Hey, I got another, I got another one. And now you're hunting another individual with that skill set. You're in trouble. Um, if you're deciding that you're doing French services, you're in trouble. Uh, you know, so you can't, you can't scale your business. Um, you can't scale your business. If you're, if you're, if your business is, you know, it, it, it can't be a line like this, right? <laughs> like customers and employee, like customers and people can't do that. It needs to automation and tooling needs to make you do this. Right. And then at some point this go, customers go up and, and, and the people needed to support it flat lines. Right. And, and, and I think that's where, you know, that's where the trickiness comes. And, and that's why you see a lot of MSP saying, you know what, we don't want to do that business. We'll, we'll, you know, Sherweb, can you do it for us? Because, you know, we're not, we're not going to get in there, right? We're, we're, or we're in there and we don't want to go there anymore. Or, you know, we're in trouble. We'll, we'll do that. We'll do L3 very well, but you guys, can you guys do L1, L2, right? Um, and, and I think, I think that's fine. It's a, you know, if you have the capability to do it, but you need to do it very well. And, and Federation of PSAs is another example, George, of, of things where, you know, if, if you're, if you're going to go out there and you're going to say, well, all, all, we want to serve all of MSP land. Well, then you're probably touching 10, 15 PSAs. <laughs> so, and, and so, you know, we've been lucky, like we have a help desk connector that allows us to agnostic, be agnostic from what, what our external partners have, um, which I think is really smart. Um, I wish I would have had that idea, <laughs> but, but, but I'm happy I, I, I have access to it, but, you know, uh, and that allows us to, to be a lot more, a lot more efficient with the, regards to ticketing integration and, and all that stuff. We run it like a product. So we release new connectors every, 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 every three sprints, but, but, but then you look at the, so we resolve that issue, but the IT glue problem <laughs> or, or, or that document or how to, how to connect to these documents, because don't forget, right. If you have eight MSPs who have eight IT glues, then you have eight, all your people need to know eight logins and eight passwords and tokens and OTPs and all this other stuff. So I think that's one of the bigger challenges um, that I'm trying to get, like wrap my head around is 
you know, Hoodoo as an example, right? So, so you have people saying, well, IT glue is a little bit too expensive now. Hoodoo is cheaper. Okay, that's fine. But what happens when Hoodoo becomes more expensive, right? And, and, and so, so there has to be a better way. And I, I, I haven't seen anybody or I, I, maybe people on, on this call know, but I haven't seen any, any means by which somebody can upload his documentation, sync it in real time that is really third-party neutral. Where, where you just upload it and you connect to that platform, you put in a unique identifier for that customer and now you're in there, you know, so there's a business there. And I think that's the, that's, that's the one that'll allow, you know, master MSPs or MSPs of MSPs, right? Or service value provider, like to be able to really become a lot more seamless and in, 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 in how we work with our MSPs partners is that's really the missing key, in my opinion. No, I, I, it's interesting you say that it's, um, you know, like, because you're a layer above, right, you know, master MSP is probably the correct term, but, you know, and you see things at a macro scale, I don't think, like, the MSP really thinks about that until they run into that challenge later on, right? And I think one of the items that you thought you talked about was very interesting, which is, we've always talked about the scenario of, Hey, as time goes on, if you start your services business later on in, in the game, we've talked about the cloud only MSPs and like the more modern guys that came yeah. later on, you know, the tools and the business model and the practice looks different to them than it did to the guy earlier on in the game. So, and we've always talked about why it's so hard for guys that are, you know, have the time investment in there because it takes a major business change to shift how they do things in order to get to the other side. So how do we, you know, like, I, I, I feel like it's the never ending problem, right? Like new stuff comes out or updates to things that you're using come out. You're not even paying attention because you're in the day-to-day of your business. Yeah. By the time you look up, the landscape's changed. So it's very difficult to keep up with that, I think. Oh, it is. And, and again, you know, like, so, so this, this, this means of delivering service to a myriad of customers that are not consuming a past product or a SaaS product, right? Like signing or like digital signing is, you know, you can have a million customers, but they're calling you through a call center. They're not federating, you know, you have service now, they have service now, you can interact, but it's not, it's not what they're looking for when they're looking for a, a, a new signature product, right? Um, when you're in our world, it's a little bit different. Right. It's it, it actually it's a lot different because now you have unique relationships with different MSPs. Right. And all of them have their different challenges and all of them are looking for services. Right. So it's one thing to tell them here, go on this marketplace and go and buy your product. And, you know, Andre and his team will make sure that it's seamless and that, you know, you get at the end of the day, you get a virtual desktop or an RDS instance. You know, that's pretty easy. Um, where it gets complicated is really when you're supporting. Like so, so the the the, the supporting wing of of SureWeb as an example, right? Um, on our own products and our own code and on the Microsoft stuff, it's pretty straightforward, right? Um, we own it end to end. You call us. There's an issue with Microsoft. We flag that it's with them. We'll engage them and we'll get back to you. We'll put you in touch. On the services, proper services side, which are not our own code or our own products that we're selling or what we're selling on a marketplace, it's a whole different world. And, and that's when you start talking about PSA integrations and the ability to bill. Um, you know, Microsoft is very, 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 uh, I would say, cutthroat in how they handle tickets, right? So at this point, they don't even tell you, be aware, this is now your problem. We're billing you $800 an hour, 
right? They're just going to start billing. They're just going to start billing you four, 500 bucks an hour to resolve your problem because they've decided it's on your end. Right. So, so on, on, on the managed services side, when, when you're, when you're, when you're dealing with support of desktop or networking connectivity, at which point do you tell a customer, listen, um, I, I get you're having networking issues. I, I feel bad for you, but you're in a, an airport and I'm sorry, but I can't do more for you. Right. And, and the idea being that, you know, that, that really, even though you don't own that network connectivity, you have no visibility into it. Um, you know, it needs to be formally documented within your, within your statement of work, within, within your terms and agreements that, you know, on the networking side, we can help you if you're at home, if you're in the office, but outside of that, unless there's something really wrong with your laptop or your net or whatever, there's not much I can do for you. Right. And I think that's where the MSP model of the PSA integrations and, and this type of thing, they're super important because you're providing, um, you're providing insight to the MSP on the problems his customers are having. And it can be a performance issue linked to RDS usage. It can be a performance issue linked to AVD. It can be a performance issue linked to a ton of things. But, but the, when it's on my own products, it's internal. I consume my own BI, right? But when, it's, when, it's on, when, when I'm managing a customer through a partner, this, this is a value add that you need to have. Hence, the dependency on PSA integrations, the dependency on proper, you know, document management, the ability to bill on demand, right? That's where that world gets a little bit more complicated. Um, and I think this is something, you know, I've been toying around with these concepts for like maybe six months now as I'm trying to build up that, rebuild that service practice. But it's one of the bigger challenges and, and fully managed, not a problem. Here's the key, <laughs> make sure it runs. But in co-managed, when you have up, upstream dependencies that you don't control, patching patching as a service is a very good example, George, of a service that you can, you can actually put somebody's compliance at risk and it may not even be your fault. So if that laptop's not turned on or that person's not, you know, is not connected or, you know, and you miss that patching cycle, you know, I've seen it and, and, and co-managed it's a, it's a problem. It's interesting, you know, big picture zooming out, right? Cause you guys do a lot of things underneath your umbrella, but this one area that we've been talking about, right. You know, where you can outsource some of the front line or even some of the back line to a third party as a service provider. I think the big concern there is, that the you know the customer experience is wildly different between yeah you know the individual service providers and how they do business and whoever they're partnered with how do you overcome that because i think that's probably the biggest i don't know if it's complaint concern disconnect i feel like there's so many words i can throw into this bucket but how do you bridge that gap i would tell you that a majority of the escalations that i've had been unfortunate been involved in unfortunately are always in and around that that finger pointing thing right and and i mean you know nobody's at fault it just comes down to proper terms and conditions and proper engagement model uh, you know the and it doesn't have to be like at the msp level you just think of people you know consuming asia and thinking that backups automatically happen Right. Um, that's a perfect example of somebody, you know, then something happens, gets crypto jacked or whatever and, and or locked. And then he's like, but my backups. No, you don't have backups. It's the concept of in the cloud of the cloud. Right. And, and whenever you have those blurred lines and you'll typically see them in and around, like the ones that I see the most are patching. Oh, you guys missed servers or, hey, you know, the, the database reboot in the middle of the night. And I'm like, yeah, it's patched. 
but but we were down. Okay, but please tell me you have two databases, <laughs> right? And and then and then that comes back to the documentation, right? If it's documented properly and the tool allows you to say, here's the sequence of what you need to do on this particular on the database stack, shut down, patch, turn up, then right flip. So so you know that that's where I see a lot of the uh, um, a lot of those discussions go south. Um, where, you know, the, the MSP saying, hey, now I need to go back to my customer and tell them, hey, your manufacturer, you know, we rebooted your database in the middle of the night. And I'm like, yeah, you need to have that discussion with him. But you also need to ask him why he's running a database on a deprecated OS, right? Um, by, and by the way, you know, we're going to stop patching that OS, like, imminently, right? So, so, so I think these are the places, I think everything is in the detail, the devil truly is in the details, especially in co-managed, especially when you're working together on, on, on certain specific things. Um, it's, it's a, it's a very, um, it's a very, um, it's delicate, it, it's delicate, and um, you need to navigate it very well. Yeah, I agree. I think that, <laughs> the, the, the details are where things go awry in the smaller service providers, but I digress. Let's zoom out, right? So <clears throat> obviously the trend continues to be SaaS. Obviously the trend continues to be cloud. I mean, marketplace is a pretty trendy word these days, right? Because everybody thinks they can, you know, just do things on demand, right? And just shows up. I, you know, maybe you can buy it on demand, but I don't think it turns itself on on demand. I think that's the, I, I got into a, quasi, I don't know if I would call argument, but heated discussion with somebody yesterday where they're like, we're still arguing about MFA. And I'm like, why are we having this discussion? They're like, I don't want it. And I'm like, you're a service provider who services end customers. And you telling me that your end customers are potentially IT admins within these organizations. Why are we having a discussion about MFA. I was like, if you go sign up for a new Google or 365 account today and turn it on for the first time, they don't even give you an option. It's being turned on by default. Maybe before it wasn't, but today it is. So why are we having this discussion? So going back to how easy it is to set up buying, right? Like I think Amazon set the bar for everyone, right? To make it so easy, a caveman mm -hmm. can do it kind of buying process. But then implementation of that product after the fact, I think is where the cliff comes now. I agree. And, and, and again, you know, the, the idea, at least in the construct of how I'm designing stuff on my end is to, you know, take something and deliver it as a service and tell the MSP, hey, you know, by the way, your, your Veeam backups from 365 don't even, you don't even need to worry about it anymore. You just click it. We manage the, we manage the function that turns it on. We manage the function that talks to the portal, signs you up, right? And, and so the automation on, automation on the back end really truly works very well. Um, the automation on a customer buying a unique license and going to install it on his own is a different problem, right? Um, and again, it has a solution, but the solution is going through something like, as an example, you know, on, on vSphere 8, you know, now they want to, VMware has decided that, you know, they're, they're, they're truly multi-cloud, right? So you can actually go into VMware and on vSphere 8 and you can provision workloads everywhere. Um, and, and the idea would be then, you know, if we push this, 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 this thinking point a bit forward, um, if you allow me, George, you, you can actually buy a license off a marketplace, 
bind it to then go on to you know your your vCloud director portal, bind your license, and then just deploy it wherever wherever you want. I just had this unique experience with DigitalOcean a few weeks ago where I needed to run a test on something, and I was on the bus coming back from 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 Sherbrooke's about two hour bus ride, and during that two hour bus ride, I actually managed to build a whole WordPress site, everything just like instantaneous and and i managed to run a few tests and i i proved something and and i did it on the bus on my phone right and and that's that's so so it, you can get to that grand that level of being able to say well give me a droplet on this droplet i want this on that i want these security packages right what you can't prevent is somebody choosing not to install security packages right and 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 so that's 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 where that gets interesting but the ability to seamlessly uh, provide a unique experience in click point click deploy um, is something that you can use in my opinion works very well when you own you know the underpinning automation but you can't you can't impose it right and and um, and that's where I think you know it gets it gets interesting like and especially in security right um and and you're right so and and the smaller msps and the large ones and the medium ones are all going through the same problem um and it, I, i've seen it and i'm hearing about it it's, it's the whole cyber insurance thing right so so what's going on now is you have you have mr finance or you know mr ceo of company of lawyer firm xyz you know saying oh crap i need cyber insurance because i have customer data fantastic then they go to sign that and and in the terms and agreements of that cyber insurance says hey you need you need malware you need mdr you need an xdr you need this what they're doing is they're blindly turning to any msp and then saying um just give me the best just give me the quickest one and then deploy it and then, and then if you're the MSP and you're managing that desktop fleet, you're going to get flooded with calls within an hour because admin rights are gone, um, MFA imposed, right? Um, the finger unlocker on the laptop doesn't work anymore. Uh, you can't patch your system. Uh, so, you know, and, and I think that's a, that's a case where even if you were to automate it, <laughs> you, you can't remove you can't remove the lack of planning for it you know what i mean and 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 i think that's that's one of the big things we're seeing a lot of now is so rather than taking the option of saying well here's a bunch of products and choose the one you want we're saying no no like let the msp be your trusted advisor right and and we'll provide you know a trust advisor approach to them as well so they know exactly what you need to do because we're seeing at a larger scale Hint, hint, the next one coming in cyber is DLP on the laptop or desktop. Oh, yeah. And that's going to, for sure, guaranteed. It, it, insurance companies don't want to pay, right? So every time they can impose something or every time they can put a limitation or something that is a little bit more expensive or adds cost, they, they, they can opt out of certain things, right? It's like, it's like it's like I was mentioning before the whole of the cloud in the cloud thing, right? There's a cost operating AWS. There's a cost operating Azure, right? The cost is if you want backups, you want to follow a three, two, one topo. So like three back, you know, backups, different media, one off site. It's going to cost you, and and I think you know you can't automate that. You can't automate thinking. You know you know what I mean? Like you you can you can you can you can automate maybe the deployment of an MDR as an example through through something like Ninja One or you know something like that. But at the end of the day, there's a person on the other end who needs to accept that you, you either push it to him and ruin his experience. And then you get into that discussion we were having five, 10 minutes ago, right? 
Or, and then you have the MSP saying you pushed it. Well, <laughs> you know, there's, there's no easy way to do it. That's, you know, it's, that's, I, I mean, there's definitely, what you're saying is absolutely 100% happening where in order to, to, to have the minimum requirements of the policy, people are just buying anything, right? That's absolutely happening, by the way. Um, what I'm concerned about though, is these rules change every year, right? And to your mm -hmm. point, ELP on the laptop, or on the mobile device or on the tablet, um, that's not been standard. Even, even that functionality within the Microsoft suite, for example, is not turned on by default. You yep. actually have to go and enable that, right? So <clears throat> I don't think every MSP is you know, going to be able to keep up with this without outside help. Well, and this is and and this is one of the discussions we we were we were having earlier this morning, right? Um, where where you're like, it's moving at the speed of thought, and and you know there's money in, and when there's money and large sums of money involved, especially at the rates of which we're seeing ransomware, and you know I just saw like what was it LinkedIn, you know what 500 million accounts leaked, you know like just what was it today or yesterday, right? And Facebook in Europe just got fined for like $400 million because they lost passwords too, right? Um, when you see cybersecurity rules or, or actually actually more close to the US, you actually see the Fed saying, hey, yeah, you know what, Mr. CEO, you're going to have a strike against your, <laughs> against your, against your record now because you, you, you failed to disclose a breach. So, so it's becoming it's becoming far reaching, like where where people who are not even involved in the decision making process can can be censured or even go to jail. I feel I feel like that's a slippery slope, right? See, I agree. Like the organization what? might not even know a breach occurred, right? Correct. I think that's a lot of what's happening. They don't know what's actually like. It's in the past at this point. And they don't discover it until way, way, way down the line. In this particular case, after it was discovered, they didn't disclose. All right. So that's that pet shop store. Or I, I'm trying to recall from memory because they happen every day that <laughs> the memory block just erases the one from last week and just takes on the ones that happened in the past three days. But, you know, when when you look at cyber insurance, like and, and, and again, I we know it's there. I, we see it, but in some places it's even more strict. Like in, in Quebec, as an example, um, you know, if you have three employees, <laughs> you, you, you need, you, yeah, it's, it's, it's That's gone. It? The, three employees. It's like, well, if you, if you have, there are rules around how big the office needs to be, but if you're manipulating anything that has to do with customer data, then you have to have cyber cybersecurity protection, and which means that then these little three a dentist shop. I was at my dentist like what three weeks ago. She had to install stuff on her on her lap on her desktops, and she's like, I don't know how to do this. It's like, so how did you do it? She's like, well, I called home. Uh, what's it called? Uh, yeah. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> so no, but it, it, you know, it gives you an example. She went out, bought something, told them, here's the key, install it for me because I have to have it because of this. Wow. So you can imagine like the extent of how many people who just, you know, 20, 20 person lawyer shop, right. Needs to go out and procure for $8,000 a month worth of security products to protect themselves. It's not forecasted. That's true. They don't forecast it. <clears throat> and I, and look, 
lawyers is one of those interesting verticals by themselves, by the way, since we brought that up, that they think, oh, no, that's cool. We don't need that. And we're like, like, so how do you handle the information after the case is done? Do you, do you send it back or do you hold on to it? Or like, oh, no, it's not a concern. Don't worry about it. And you're like, but there's medical records as part of that case, right? So like, yeah. uh, no, it's not a problem. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> so now you're touching HIPAA, right? <laughs> so like, I mean, it gets, it get, it gets, it's a very, it's becoming, I would say like how things, certain things have been commoditized, like the laptop, the desktop, the monitor, the printer, the mouse, the, the little speakerphone I'm using, like these things are plug and play now, right? Um, you don't see people fidgeting around with their headset for 55 hours because they're trying to figure out how to get it to work, drivers and stuff, right? But where things have gone simple on one end, and the ability to do almost anything on the other side, you have the highly complex world of security and, and you have people running office networks that are not protected. Um, you know, anybody can go in like guest guest. I still, I still picked one off like three days ago. It's like, I'm sure it's this. And I mean, like, guys, you have like, what the hell, you know? And, and I think, I think this is where, bringing the the larger MSPs need to bring this into the smaller MSPs in ways that they can consume it and make it available to smaller customers because there are a bunch of smaller customers that are going to need this help and 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 individually they're small but if you take all of the dentist office in a in a given state and you decide that you're going to target that vertical on a campaign just say hey guys cyber insurance coming you have this you have that you need this. We can give it to you at this. And by the way, we'll monitor it for you, which means that you can cut, you can, you can, you know, then you have a business. It's interesting. You know, as MSPs mature, they largely don't target smaller accounts, right? Sub, it's called 25 or less, right? Maybe they just say, nope, that's not our, but when you're saying that the rules start at three, you know, like all of a sudden you're like, but can you scale that? We started the whole conversation off with, all right, well, if I go all the way down to capture that really micro business, can I standardize and scale that practice? I think you can. Um, I I think you can. I had an interesting discussion with a guy who does, a person who does an MSP who does points of sales. And and what I was telling him, he's like, every single time I deploy a new POS, I need to go on site into all these stores. I'm like, well, why don't you just why don't you just do what I did like 10 years ago and send your, and have Dell set up a lab for you and just, ship everything pre-built to your data center. So, I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, who's your POS provider? Is it, is it, is it IBM? Who is it? So then at the end of the day, if you, have a, if you know you're doing a thousand of these a month, then just get them to configure it for you and ship it pre-configured and cut down, cut your travel time, cut your install time, right? And make it as seamless as possible. So you can automate something. The idea being though is at what point do you have a, con- like I'm, I'm seeing a lot of, federated MSPs, right? Where they say, hey, we're doing voice and and what we're going to do is we're going to go in and we're going to negotiate on behalf of 2000 MSPs, right? And say, okay, here's what we're going to do. And we're going to grab, we're going to grab some revenue up front and we're going to resell it to you and it's going to be white labeled, right? So in that aspect, you can potentially have an MSP that says, hey, you know what? I'm going to target legal. I'm going to target architects. I'm going to target, you know, all these guys. And by the way, we're going to sell AVD high performance. And, and, and we're going to do, you know, video enabled GPU and, and, and we're going to, that's our business. There, there are niche players that do that very well. Um, but I see it more as a, 
at some point, what I think you're going to see is you're going to see MSP saying, hey, what, what's your target business? Like, oh, we do this. And, and oh, we do the same thing. Well, now we're one. Okay. Right. So I think that's what you're going to end up that you're going to be seeing a lot of. Um, I get the feeling that as as the year moves forward, as we get into 2023, you'll see a lot of MA activity in the smaller. I, I don't think you're going to see a large MSPs buying a lot of small ones. I think you're going to see I think you're going to see small ones just combining their forces. And then and then at some point, you know, they're going to move up and then they're going to consolidate there. But but I I. I you know, there's benefit in having smaller niche players. This I can guarantee. I don't think I don't think the industry is well served by having you know monsters like you know with thousands of you know of of, of MSPs. Um, you know, I think I think ultimately you want to be a master MSP. You want to drive value and service and consulting and become a trusted advisor, and then you become an enabler of those MSPs, and then they can go out and sell stuff. And they're not afraid to sell it because they don't need to automate it, right? So it's all done as a service. I think that's where, I think that's a trend I, I see I see coming. Um, and then you have the tectonic shifts. And George, to your point before, where you're saying, you know, all of a sudden, boom, the world shifted on you. Well, imagine those Kaseya guys, right? Um, you know, or, or or the Dato folks, right? I mean, ultimately, you, everybody saw the news. And and again, you know, we know people all over the place, and and it, you know, it's 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 not a pleasant thing. But but you see how quickly things can shift. And then MSP saying, oh my, yeah, you know what? Um, we're going to start looking at, at at other tools, right? And it's happening. So. It's what's true for us is true for them is true for you is true for everybody else right so it's hard to keep up um and my recommendation on that is you know the more the more your systems are are decoupled the 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 better you will be um and and the better the, the quicker you will be able to adapt to changes Hmm. The more Loosely decoupled systems, systems are, are are core for me. Like I feel, I feel like for a long time everyone's like, stop using islanded systems. Now we're kind of going back towards, <clears throat> I you know, separating things out a little bit. Well, it's 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 an open API world, right? So so the idea of having a hub that interfaces and relays, you know, like I mean, we just I we just finished delivering a a, a, a hub that's purely based on functions. So essentially, it doesn't persist, right? It, it gets a it gets a query, it it calls a fun it calls a function, it replies, it's gone, right? And 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 so when you're thinking about like all the advantages of these loosely decoupled systems, right? Um, and if you're not going to take that into how you do monitoring or how you do document management or how you do ticketing or how you do omnichannel, then you're going to play yourself out because then you're married to something long term. Um, all my all my loosely decoupled vendors I have that 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 comprise of the monitoring stack, I can pull one out at any given time. And the advantage of it is they know I can pull them out, which means that I'm not stuck. I'm not married to Datadog or I'm not married to, you know, I'm not married to logs.io or I'm not married to you know, like any, any one of them because at the end of the day, I just need something that tells me there's an event. That event will trigger a response. That response will trigger a series of, of things that need to occur for that event to be resolved, whether it's an automated response, whether it's a human, whether it's a specialist, whether it's a notification to the partner. And, and I think if you think loosely decoupled systems like that and you build your platform to be agnostic of any specificity, then, then you're going to be able to stay on top of, of things because you're right, George. Um, you know, one of the key things is when you're born in the cloud, you're always you always inherit what everybody else went through, right? So it's very, very hard for companies that have been there for a long time 
to catch up to the newer people coming out who are building their products. So I'll give you a perfect example of that, right? Uh, Monday. Yeah, monday.com, yeah. Right, great tool, right? But no, no, no longer, no longer, wanna, no long, like still being used, but you have incumbents coming in that are taking everything they've done and they're doing it better and they're doing it cheaper because they're born in the cloud. Hmm. Interesting. So, so, so look at Visio. Does anybody still use Visio? Almost everybody uses Lucid, right? It plugs yeah. into Jira. You know what I mean? So, so that's the difference between something that's static, where you pay for each stencil, each template you want, versus something like Lucid, where you can actually click, you can actually rent the templates, do what you need to do, and then put them back in and, and move on, right? Yeah. Um, so, so that's, that's, you know, that's, that's change at the speed of light. Interesting. So that, you, you bring in a lot of ideas to the table that kind of change the way people look at how they build their technology businesses. But how, how do people follow you, connect with you? How do they reach you if they, they're interested in learning more? Well, um, you know, I, I, I wanted to start doing more thought things on, on LinkedIn. And then, you know, it's just so busy. So what I so what I'll typically do is I have people who reach out on LinkedIn saying, hey, you know, I, I, I like to chat about this or that. And, you know, I like talking about loosely decoupled systems. I think, you know, I do have some YouTube videos uh, from certain specific vendors where I explain this whole vision of unified platforming to deliver service. So there are a few of those out there. Um, but typically, you know, if it, as it pertains to the MSPs and stuff, I mean, you can, if there are any partners here, you go directly uh, into the channel and, and you guys can get access to me. I will, you know, on LinkedIn, I'll answer. I'll do a lot of these. I, I'm looking forward to doing some other ones, George. I, I really appreciate the forum and the ability feel, to just I feel, talk. I feel like we should do a whole session on loosely decoupled systems. That could be <laughs> Yeah. And again, like, I mean, you know, I think, I think ultimately we all benefit from sharing ideas. And I don't think there's a said recipe that, that, I mean, you know, you can have an idea and 50 other people are having the same idea, right? The, the idea is just, um, you know, get it out there and, and start thinking differently and everybody benefits at the end of the day. And then it's just a question of, you know, making sure that, you know, if you can prevent somebody from being married to a tech, then you should, you should, you should help. So this, so typically, you know, people can reach out to me on LinkedIn. You hear that one guys, not being married to a specific tech. How many people are in that situation right now? A lot of people listen, listen to that one sentence right there. We're going to do a whole <laughs> session on that. I think um, Andre was really appreciate it. You got, you got so much stuff going through your brain. Probably should schedule some more of these, but I really appreciate that like stream of consciousness, right? Because I think it maybe opens up the idea that there's not one way, right? There's a lot of roads in order to get to where you want to go. And like being able to kind of modernize how you look at what you're doing could maybe change a lot of how you, what your day-to-day actually becomes, but. And that's the concept and that's the foundational concept, right? Not every, not everybody has the same problem. They have this, they may have the same, they may have the same area of issue, but it's definitely not always the same problem. Right. And, and I mean, you know, we live in a world where there are so many different solutions available at the end of the day, it's just about picking the, picking the best one for you at that given time. But ultimately at the end of the day, I mean, you know, this, like you guys know this, you know, you can have one antivirus one day and have another one the day after, right? I mean, it's so just a true. question of it's it's all about 
the idea is having the upstream system that receives the alert be agnostic. It's not what you're deploying. It's, it's, it's what's receiving the event that is the most important part. The rest is just a tool, but it's what you can do with it or, or, or the ability to not be mad. Like, I'll give you one, one more example. And then I know, I know we're at time and, you know, yeah. I can do eight hours of this, but um, I'll give you an example of Palo Alto, right? As an example. So, so their, their tool talks to Panorama and Panorama allows you to deploy seamlessly patches and updates and, and even deploy, you know, pretty much seamlessly. Uh, but you're married to that system, right? Yeah. And, and, and the idea, the whole idea behind it is, is there are third-party services that allow you to do the exact same thing but would allow you would allow you to do it across almost all firewalls, and 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 I'll, I'll give you guys an interesting tidbit on this, and 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 you guys can keep an eye on this. Uh, you folks can keep an eye on this. Um, one of the biggest firewall, one of the biggest firewall um, providers, Checkpoint, right? Yeah. Um, they've actually launched a white labeled SOC service, and they can actually monitor any networking appliance. They actually don't even care if it's, if it's a, if it's, if it's not their product. So, 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 so think about that, right? So they're doing that on the other side, you have VMware saying, yeah, you know what? We're cool. You can either run our stack and you know, we're cool with that. We really want you to run our stack, but by the way, you can use my vSphere 8 interface to deploy to Azure, to deploy to, um, to deploy to AWS, deploy to Google. And by the way, it's called ARIA. And by the way, it can also do your FinOps function and it can also run your billing and it can also, so, so what you're seeing is a lot, you have no choice. The world is, you need, you cannot just be, we only do VMware. They've understood it, right? Because then use us as a, the, what VMware wants is to be used as a pass, as a gateway into multi-cloud whether it's for developers, whether it's for businesses, whether it's to run stack, they've understood that the game isn't on the server. It's about being able to move workloads seamlessly globally. Hmm. So, so VMware just announced that, you know, again, you know, hardware providers are looking at becoming more agnostic. Uh, I'm sure you'll see Panorama and all the security acquisitions that, that Palo Alto has been doing come up with something similar. Uh, Fortinet is doing an agnostic system for uh, SOAR and SIM as an example, where they're saying, yeah, we don't care if it's Fortinet or not, but here's my tool. So I think this is, this is where, this is where, you know, you need to come up with sort of different kind of thinking. Uh, and from my perspective and what I do day to day, I look at these and I'm like, how do I build a service around this? How can I, how can I tackle that SMB market that does Fortinet? Because that's where they live. Nobody will ever displace Fortinet in the SMB channel ever. They own it. It's it's theirs. <laughs> like you talk to you'll talk to Cisco. Cisco don't even play there anymore. You'll talk to Palo. They don't even go there because they know it's 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 a done deal. They own what seventy five percent of it. But how do you build a business around that? I didn't even know that that was the actual number. That's crazy. It's high. It's 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 abnormally high. I'll, I'll dig up the number, George, and I'll send it to you. But but I mean, you know, it's huge. Wow. We're we're gonna have to have. We're gonna bring you on again. We're gonna talk more about this, but. You have some cool concepts that I don't think people are really talking about. I think some of this stuff people would call DevOps in a loosely, you know, like if you don't have the capabilities internally to piece these, you know, together, that they're they're lost in what you're saying. But I'm piecing it together. I see what you're saying. It's interesting, like final thought on the way out the door, that these largely, you know, 
proprietary providers, like you just mentioned, are effectively becoming SaaS companies, right? They're like, hey, you want to use my stuff? Cool. Hey, you want to use my service that allows you to use anything else? Awesome. And basically, they're just, it's like a, to your point, right? It's like a one-to-many approach. They're developing a practice and then they're making it available to all. So there's no point having a knock or a SOC or a CSOC function only for your tool when it's the same kind of alert across all of your competitors. You might as well just get there first. And, and it's that get there first mentality that, that you know, I, I had disconnected from Checkpoint for the longest time. And they re-engaged me about six, seven, eight, nine months ago. And they knocked, I, I found it really, I found it really interesting. Like it takes guts to say, hey, you know what? We the, the the physical firewall is dead, you know. It's wow. it's it's, it's virtual. Use, and be, it's, when I when I send this out into the social social land, I'm gonna put that the physical firewall is dead. I want to see. And then the I'm gonna get spots. I'm gonna get my butt kicked. <laughs> no, but but it really is like think of it think of it think of it this way, um, and and we can have maybe a cloud session on that as well. But but you know from 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 a cloud perspective um you know when i was when i was at one span the last thing you want to do is be dependent on the core firewalling of said vendor x y or z whether it be aws google or azure the way to do it is to actually virtualize your firewalls and then seamlessly deploy your firewall cross cloud this way because when you're moving shifting workloads from aws to asia or asia to google or vice versa one of the biggest problems you'll encounter is the networking they're all similar but they're all different uh, especially from a firewall perspective so so the idea to be agnostic the cloud provider agnostic at the firewall level and to go virtual allows you to pretty much remove 40 50 percent of the complexity of moving of shifting workloads because you own the firewall Hmm. Now, if you put that firewall behind a WAF service or something like a content, a CDN or, you know, a Cloudflare or anything else, now you're even, you're another level abstracted, right? Where you don't even need to move the firewalls anymore. You just move your workloads from the entry point. So this is, this is always, it, it, it's the same thing about loosely decoupled systems, you know, all this stuff. This, this is, this is the way, uh, in my opinion, you know, if you're designing, if you're designing, if you're an MSP, your small one, you may not see them, but as you grow, and as customers come and see you, you know, you guys, that's what, that's what, that's what we do at SureWeb. We want to help our MSPs grasp this. That's the whole concept of the cloud center of excellence we're building and building is to be, to be able to drive those practices into the MSPs, empower them to have the right discussions and, and empower them to leverage, you know, the plethora of different options they have. I mean, why would you host, why would you host WordPress when you can just click and deploy it somewhere and then manage a the security around it? Awesome, awesome, awesome ideas. Loosely decoupled systems. That's my phrase of the day, not the physical firewall set. <laughs> All right, my friend. Thanks everybody for watching. This was recorded hey. mspinitiative.com under sessions. The MSP uh, Channel Strong Tour is actually in Tampa today. So if you're in that area, go to channelstrongtour.com, click on Tampa. They'll be there till I think six ish, six o'clock, more or less. Go out and see them if you're in that area. Otherwise, Catch you next time, guys. See ya. All right. Hey, it's been a pleasure. Have a great day. You got it, Andre. See ya. Ciao.